You're listening to Illini Life Audio, messages from a community of Christian believers on the campus of University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. For more audio and video content, visit IlliniLife.org. Welcome. Uh, Thank you, Ashley, for that uh, intro. Yes, I like to say that my family chose to hog all of the letters in the alphabet. I hope there's enough for the rest of you. Um, That really is how you spell my last name. So, uh, good morning. Welcome to those of you that are new and have joined us. Welcome uh, those of you on the live stream. Uh, I know at least one person, JD, good to see you this morning on that live stream. So, uh, if you didn't know, we have a YouTube live stream that is up. So, if you're ever in quarantine or traveling, you can jump on that and keep up with us on Sunday mornings. So, I hope you've had a good first week of your classes. Uh, I hope it's gone well. Now, I've heard varying reports over this, this week. I heard one dude say it was super chill, man, which, like, that's, you know, an old guy's reference or, uh, you know, impersonation of a sophomore. Uh, sorry about that. And then, and then I met this uh, first-year law student who said it was really stressful. So I hope you're more on that super chill side of things when you think about your week, but, uh, but I, I realize that this could be a stressful week as well. And it would pretty much cover the spectrum there in those two responses. Now, for me, this first week, I wasn't in classes. Uh, I have gray hair. I'm older. I don't do classes. Um, but, uh, but it's been a week, let me tell you. It's been a week, a full week. Maybe you can relate to that. You know, sometimes I think despite our best plans, despite our best efforts, things just go sideways, right? Like Monday hits, you roll out of bed, and it's already off the rails going some other direction. You're like, this is not what I thought today was going to be like. And it just continues. And that was this week. That was this week for me. Sometimes our plans and our expectations, they're unmet, right? Sometimes we, we have an idea of the way things are going to go, and God just has other plans, and it goes differently. And it's not necessarily bad. It just might throw us for a loop if you're a planner like I am. So that was my week. Maybe you sat in your class this week and got that syllabus, and you were like, oh, this is what this class is about? This is what I'm going to have to do? I don't know if I can do this. Right? Maybe, maybe that's what it was for you this week. I don't know. Um, but maybe you can relate. Some of you, I know you're probably thinking, like, Nick, hasn't, like, the last year and a half been that for us, right? Like, this pandemic has just been one huge curveball hurling at us, off the rails, things going differently than we expected. Throughout that, that, this pandemic, throughout this week, I've been clinging to James 4.15. And I've shared this with a number of you over the, this, these past days, years. James, he encourages us to to live with the perspective of if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that, right? It's it's up to him. Each day is a gift from God, and we live close to that reality in these days. His will, it overrides my best laid plans, and that was this week, and I needed that reminder. I needed to go back to James to be refreshed in that. Maybe you needed that this, this morning or this week as well. Scripture is a, it's just such an encouragement for our lives. Well, today, I want us to dive into our eight-week study of the book of Acts. I want us to be encouraged as we look at the book of Acts. And that's where we're going to start today. And we're going to start in the most obvious place imaginable, the beginning of the book. Right? We're going to cover just 11 verses this morning. We're going to see that the whole book of Acts, the whole 28 chapters of Acts, is one giant curveball 
It's one giant book about unmet expectations in the eyes of the disciples and the early Jesus followers. That's what this whole book is, is cataloging. Today, I want us to see that what the disciples expected and how different what Jesus brought and the Holy Spirit brought was. So, so what did Jesus do? What did he promise? What did he do? That's the sort of the question we're starting with as we engage with this book. And it's going to be unfolded as we read through the book. Get started. Let's try to answer that question. Now, as I like to do here, uh, as we start a book study, I, I want to give you some overview of the book and sort of some, some basic handholds. So uh, bear with me. This is sort of your pre, uh, pre-lab as we get into the, to the message of the book of Acts. So Acts, the book that was written by uh, Luke. Luke was a travel companion, a, a fellow missionary with the Apostle Paul, if you know who Paul is. He wrote a lot of the letters in the New Testament. And throughout Acts, you'll notice these passages where, where it says all of a sudden, we went here and we did this. And that's a key. It's an a, a indicator to you that these are experiences that Luke had firsthand in these missionary journeys. They're, you know, we f- refer to them sometimes as the we passages, right? And it can be a, a really fun. It can be great insight. Look for these as you read through the book of Acts because it gives you this great insight of Luke present. You, know, you can visualize him there doing these things, being, uh, you know, recounting his own personal experience. So look for the we passages. But Luke, he's the author of the book. He wrote the book of Acts. Now, he also wrote the Gospel of Luke that we, we've come to know, and, and we looked at the end of last week here, if you were with us. He gathered detailed accounts and eyewitness reports about the life and ministry of Jesus, and he records them in the Gospel. Sorry, you got a lot of papers. I'm going to scratch around. Okay. So the main theme of Acts, right? So author is Luke. The main theme, and this is maybe helpful for us to frame in as we're reading through the book, the main theme of the book of Acts is salvation to all nations, all people, salvation for everyone. The book puts that on display through the work of the Holy Spirit forming a multi-ethnic, multicultural family of God. And Luke frames in this theme on the outside of the book. He records the words of Jesus to the disciples really early on, and we'll see this this morning. He says, you, this is Jesus, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. That's Acts 1.8. In this statement, Jesus is declaring where the church is headed. Right, right off the bat, in the beginning of Acts, we know where, the, where this is all headed. And then at Pentecost, uh, just as we'll see next week, the Spirit arrives and, and it carries that mission forward. And then, and then even, as, as we're going to see in, in coming weeks, there's... There's a, a church leader, a young uh, prophetic church leader, Stephen, and he gets, he gets killed. He gets stoned for believing Jesus and preaching Jesus. Yet the mission moves on because of Stephen's death. Later, Samaritans, like the enemies of Jews, you know, they, they come to faith and they're scratching their head. How can this be? They enter the fold. Mission is moving outward. Even, even the primary human enemy of the church, the one who is persecuting Christians, throwing them in jail, oversees the stoning of Stephen. Paul, or at that time Saul, he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. He becomes a Jesus follower. The mission moves outward. And with the conversion of Paul, Gentiles begin to hear the, the gospel and come to be saved. It's no longer just a Jewish thing. It becomes all nations. 
Now, as this happens, conflict arises because they're wondering what is essential for salvation. They're wrestling with these basic theological questions of, as Jews, we had to do these things. Now salvation is for everybody. Do they have to do those things too? And so the church leaders, they assemble in Jerusalem and they discern, what is the Holy Spirit doing? What, what is going on with all these people getting saved outside of our religious systems? What's required for converts? And they, make, they, they yield to the Holy Spirit and they, they make a conclusion. Onward the mission moves as Paul does missionary journeys all throughout Asia Minor and, and into Europe finally reaching Rome, where Luke records and at the end of the book, proclaiming the gospel there, the ends of the earth, the message can go out uh, to everywhere. So if you, if you stuck with me, that was the book of Acts at 90 miles an hour. It's 28 chapters I just summarized for you. So uh, there's your Cliff Notes version. You can study it yourself or stick with us each week as we go through it. What I love about the book of Acts is that each advancement of the gospel to a new people group the followers of, Jesus, followers of Jesus, they have to wrestle with their own expectations of what God should be doing. God is not acting how they expected or how they planned. They have to face their embedded racism, their social barriers about who is okay to interact with and who's not. They have to wrestle with what's essential for salvation. What is, what's required? And throughout the whole book, God, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, through through reaching more and more people with with the gospel, he has no such barriers. He just runs right through them. And so these man-made barriers, these these things that we still deal with today and wrestle with, these questions, God is quite okay just stepping, stepping beyond them, stepping over them. Salvation freely expands to all nations, and that's what we're going to see as we study the book of Acts. Now, all of this, and I have a timeline that uh, I've we've maybe put up here for you, um, all of this takes place over about 30 years, which I think is a really important handhold for you, and I want you to keep that in the back of your mind as we study. From the, the point of Jesus' resurrection, to where the book ends with Paul in Rome under house arrest, is about 30 years. And why is that important? It's because you're going to read so much is going on. What I just shared with you, all of that unfolds over 30 years. You know, it's, it, there's so much happening, but it doesn't just happen overnight. It's not just an instance, right? Longer than most of us have been alive, all of this unfolds. And I want you to keep that in the back of your mind because it makes the book a little more accessible, right? Because I guarantee, if we took your life and we summarized it into 28 chapters of what God has been doing in your life, why, how you got to here today, how you came to know Jesus, I guarantee it would be just as action-packed and just as exciting as the book of Acts. Because that's the reality of God's work in our lives. The same spirit that is at work in this book is at work in your life. And it's, it's awesome. So key into that. Realize that this is taking a long time to unfold. And you might Years pass between verses and, and as you flip pages in your Bible. That's okay. Uh, so, so this book, it's unfolding God's great plan for salvation to all nations. It's, come, it's coming over the course of, you know, a, a life, a lifetime, a generation. So this, this timeline, um, I created this a, a little bit ago. Uh, there's, a, there's some paper copies in the back if that's your thing. Otherwise, uh, if you're on Flocknote now, I'll send it out later this afternoon so you can have that if it's a helpful study aid for you. 
Um, if it just looks noisy and confusing, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if you can grab it on the way out, uh, there's a, a few of those or look for it digitally later. All right. I love the background stuff. Maybe you're bored with it. Let's move on. Let's get to our passage. It's um, been a long time coming. Let's dive in. Now, if you have a Bible, turn it on, scroll to Acts chapter 1. It's, it's right after uh, the Gospel of John, or maybe you got a paper copy and you need to open and flip pages. That's, that's awesome. We, uh, each week, we will, we will try to put the verses up here on the screen if that's easier for you to follow along. Um, we find that sometimes people don't have Bibles, and so this is a good way for us all to engage with the text. So we're going to take this, these first just opening verses and, and think about those. So, so read with me. This is the, the beginning of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Here this is Luke's intro and summary of the ministry of Jesus, and that's his starting place. He says, In the first book, O Theophilus, who's Theophilus? I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. All right, so Luke begins, right, with a reference to his first book, right, which I already told, we already mentioned, like, that's the gospel of Luke. So his first book is Luke. This is his second book. Now, Theophilus, who's Theophilus, right? He just kind of drops that name like we're supposed to. Well, clearly the book was written for Theophilus, right? That's what he's starting off here. Now, it's believed Theophilus, he's probably a, a wealthy benefactor who, who sort of bankrolled, he funded Luke's uh, writing of the gospel and Acts, uh, maybe for his own personal uh, research or needs or desires, but either way, he's, the, he's probably the one that funded Luke's work to write. Uh, so Luke here, you see he's, he sets out the purpose, right, of what his gospel is. He said, uh, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, Right? He sees the purpose of his gospel as, as showing all that Jesus began to do and teach. And I think began is a very intentional word here. He means began because Jesus continues to do. His mission goes on through the book of Acts. Acts is part two to the gospel of Luke. So if you want to do a pre, uh, pre-study, read through the, the gospel of Luke, and then you can read through the, gospel of Acts, or the uh, work of Acts. Uh, so... Acts, part two of Luke's gospel. Now, it's also interesting here that right out of the gate, we have a reference to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, and we'll see this throughout each week, the Holy Spirit is the main character of the book of Acts. You know, maybe your Bible says, like, the Acts of the Apostles. Well, it really should say the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because that's what we're reading when we're engaging with this book. What is the Holy Spirit doing to carry the church outward? As we saw in Luke's uh, gospel last week, uh, Jesus gave instructions in the Holy Spirit, right? He gave them to the, the apostles. Right at the end of uh, Luke, for 40 days between the resurrection and ascension, Jesus is appearing. He's interacting with the disciples. And he's opening their minds, clarifying his teachings, giving them final commandments, final directions. And here, Luke reminds us again of that same scene here at the beginning of Acts. For 40 j- days, Jesus appeared, showed that he was alive, he opened their minds to the scriptures. He told them about himself, showed them what all has been taught and spoke about him. He, he clarified the kingdom of God and helped them gain perspective on who the promised Messiah was, him, Jesus. And I think it's fitting, super appropriate, that Luke begins here with an encounter of, with Jesus, right? 
because all that follows rests on Jesus being who he said he was. All that follows in the book of Acts rests on Jesus being the Messiah, God in human flesh who brought salvation from sin once for all, the truth of who Jesus was and is in our lives. So just as we challenged you last week, encountering Jesus, knowing Jesus is the starting point of your faith. Have you encountered Jesus? Do you know Jesus? I hope so. If you haven't, talk with us. Engage with us. Stick with us as we, as we study the scriptures together. Get to know Jesus. Understand him as Savior and devote your life to following him. That's what we're doing here each week in our small groups and on Sunday mornings. Have you encountered Jesus? Let's, let's keep rolling through our passage here. We've got, we got some more ground to cover. So we're going to pick up just two more verses next and then uh, see, see where we head from there. So uh, Luke's going to, here he's going to show us uh, Jesus' final command and a promise that he offers the disciples. So let's read. Uh, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. See, Jesus directs the disciples to stay in Jerusalem and wait, right? Wait for the promised Holy Spirit. That's his final, final direction to them. They're to stay together and wait. Stay, encourage one another, be together. Something is coming, and it's going to change everything for them, and it's going to change everything for the church. I don't know what that is. It's, it's the promise of the Father, Right? I promise it's going gonna, it's gonna to manifest uh, in, in powerful ways. So Jesus, he reminds them what he's already instructed them, right? You're going to be baptized in, in the Holy Spirit, right? John, he baptized a baptism of repentance through water. You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit in nine days. And we know, I know this because we, maybe if you've read ahead, you know, in nine days, the Holy Spirit will come and the first believers will be launched in an outward mission that has continued on to today. Salvation to all nations. But that mission has to wait, right? It has to wait for the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit's mission. Jesus tells them, wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. And just as Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove in Luke 3, you can read that chapter later if you like, uh, so too, Jesus' followers, us, will receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will dwell in us. And it'll launch, it'll launch these believers and it launches us into ministry. Waiting on the Holy Spirit is key, right? Because it's the mission of the church to be sent to bring salvation in the name of Jesus. But that's God's mission. It's done in his power through the Holy Spirit. It's not a mission we take on on our own. It's not a mission we just gear ourselves up for and, and do all alone. No, it's the mission of the Holy Spirit and we participate in it. It's his mission we participate. The work we do in sharing Jesus with others, it's essential. That is the work of the church. But we don't do it for God. We do it with God. Thanks, Alan, for sharing that truth this week with some of us. Super pertinent to this passage, right? We don't do it for God. We do it with God. The mission of the church is God's mission, and we participate. Why don't, we, why don't we keep reading the final part of our passage here and we get into the sort of the heart of it. Here we're going to see Jesus unpack more about the promise 
this promise, and then the work the church is going to be sent on before he ascends into heaven. And all of these things that, that Jesus is doing, they stand in contrast to what these disciples are expecting. We're going to see that right away here. We're going to take this, this last section in two parts just to help wrap our minds more clearly around it. So uh, read with me. We're picking back up in, in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking up, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So the disciples, they're gathered in Jerusalem, just like, like he's instructed them. And they ask what is probably the most obvious question to any first century Jewish believer at this point. Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Right? You're, you're the Messiah, aren't you going to do it? See, the, the prophecies about who the Messiah was and the restoration of, of the kingdom of Israel, they were intertwined. They were intertwined. Religion and national identity, they were inseparable for them. They were one and the same. See, God had called the people for himself through Abraham, and he had established them as a great nation. He even gave them a king in David, through whose line he promised to have the ultimate king on a throne and bring salvation to all people. For them, a nationalistic agenda and the work of the Messiah they were the same. Jesus was the Messiah they had been waiting for. So the next logical step would be for him to restore the kingdom of Israel. They had hope for change, that Israel would be made great again, right? Nationalism and religion were one and the same for them. And how does Jesus respond to that question? What does Jesus say? He says it's not for them to know the time of such things. Israel will be restored. Prophecy will be fulfilled. It just might not be how they expect or hope at that moment. But God will once again have a people for himself, a people he is king over. You know, maybe this is a helpful image. Uh, it, it's as if the prophecies about the Messiah they were revealed as in images on a continuum. You had the Messiah and you had the restoration of Israel. You see, from the vantage point of, of, the, of the Old Testament prophets speaking about God, it was like they were stacked as one event. They couldn't see the space between. Or at least the way that they spoke about them gave the hearers the opportunity to see them as one event. And Jesus says, no, these are separate events. And there's a time in between. A time for the church to be on mission. See, what they expected to happen all at once, God has, has always had in two events. He had split in two events. The coming of the Messiah and the future restoration of Israel. And what was in between was mission. The mission of the church. Salvation to all people.
people. Jesus has come as Messiah and rescued humanity from the tyranny of sin. And when he comes again, he'll establish his kingdom in full and reign as king. And all that follow him will be the true Israel. The church age, the mission age, lives between. So hopefully that's a helpful image uh, for you or a helpful understanding of what they were dealing with or expecting and what Jesus is, is offering. Now this must have taken the disciples aback, right? They must have been disappointed. Their expectations are being unmet. This is one giant curveball. This is not what they thought was going to happen. But Jesus, he steps right into it, and he goes on to reassure them, doesn't he? He recenters them on what they are to do, what he's been headed towards all along. He tells them that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. See, the same power that resides in Jesus, the same power that raised him from the grave, that same power resides in them and raised them to new life and gives them a new mission. That same power resides in you. That same power raised you to new life and put you on mission. And with that power, the Holy Spirit, uh, in, the, in the power of the Holy Spirit, they will be a, the witnesses, we will be witnesses, they were witnesses to the life, death, death, resurrection, and works of Jesus, to the salvation of all who will believe, beginning in Jerusalem, moving to Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, which we continue on to this day. So many, many have identified this Acts uh, 1.8, that, that verse, as, as sort of the thesis statement of the book. If you're an English major, you know, you're probably excited that I just said that. Um, it's the center of the book. It's, it, sort of sus- it identifies the Holy Spirit as the actor, the one that empowers this mission, and it tells us where we're headed. And the whole book follows along this. The message starts in Jerusalem as Jesus' uh, followers are there, gathered, and, and it moves outward. It moves to the unlikely places in the minds of the Jews. And as it does so, they have to wrestle with their racial bias as Samaritans, the half-breeds come uh, to, to be saved, and even unclean Gentiles who they can't even associate with in their minds. But that's exactly what Jesus told them. That's where the mission is going. Right here in, eight, in Acts verse 1, 8. It says it's going there. You can also think of, if it's a thesis statement, it's sort of, you know, maybe the table of contents or the way the book breaks down. And so I, you know, I like to do this when we study books to give you sort of a, a big picture handhold of, of the way the book is framed in. Chapters 1 through 7, they focus on Jerusalem, what the believers are doing as they remained there and huddled. Uh, chapters 8 through 12, that's as the message moves outward uh, to Samaria and the rest of Judea. And that follows on the heels of, um, or that comes after the, the martyrdom of Stephen, as I mentioned earlier. And then chapters 13 through 28, the, sort of the back half of the book, they catalog the missionary journeys of Paul and the conversion mostly of Gentiles, those who are far from uh, God that have not been uh, steeped in a Jewish culture. Ultimately, it ends with, with Paul in Rome under house arrest, where the gospel is reached was at that time the center of the empire. But as the saying goes, all roads lead to, lead to Rome, and all roads lead out from Rome. The gospel can expand wherever the Lord wills. So with that final encouragement and commissioning, Jesus leaves them, which has to surprise them even further, right? I mean, he's like, uh, 
He was dead, then he was alive. He was with them for 40 days, he gives them some final instruction, and now he's gone again. I mean, just another massive curveball, right? Like we were saying, in their minds, the Messiah was supposed to restore the kingdom of Israel. He was supposed to reign like David did. How can he do that if he's leaving now, right? Jesus had just given them a mission to carry out. He told them the Holy Spirit was coming, and then he leaves for them to do it and take care of it. They have literally, he literally leaves. They have been walking with him, in following him in ministry for years. They've been with him, hearing his teaching, following his ministry. And he says, you go do it, and he takes off. It's got to be surprising. It's a curveball, unmet expectations. Well, the mission continues on, and as we're going to see in the rest of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit does come and empowers these believers. And on multiple occasions, that actually happens. The first being Pentecost, which we're going to look at next week. The same mission that continues on today. That same Holy Spirit empowers us today. He's in you. Despite their unmet expectations and their confusion about what was next, they waited for Jesus and the instruction. They waited and followed Jesus' instructions. And the Holy Spirit comes and mission begins. Today today we do the same. We wait for the Holy Spirit and we join on his mission. We wait for the Holy Spirit to direct us and then we participate in the mission of the Holy Spirit. We participate by starting to reach all nations, by reaching our neighbors, reaching those around us, telling them about Jesus. Have you joined that mission? Are you on that mission? Are you cooperating with the work of the Holy Spirit to share Jesus with those around you? I hope you have. There's no greater calling, there's no greater joy in life than to participate in what God is doing in the world around us. We've got we to gotta get through this. Let's, let's finish these last couple verses here this morning. Uh, final verses as we wrap up. Picking up in verse 10. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Which is like an Obvious question, if Jesus just rose. Why, why would they have been standing? Well, because he just went up there, right? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Just as we might expect, right? These guys, they're looking up into the sky. Jesus just rose up there. and Is he coming back? Where did he go? Like, what happened? Was that real, right? I mean, all these questions that we probably would be asking ourselves. Maybe you ask as you engage with the text. Did that really happen? And Luke tells us that two men stand beside them in, in white robes, which is Luke's way of, of denoting angelic beings. That's the way he refers to it in the, in the tomb as well in his gospel. These men, these angels, they set their minds at ease. They say, Jesus has been taken up into heaven, and he will return. So they offer no indication of when he will return, right? No indication of how much time is going to pass. For now, they need not continue to gaze into the sky and wait, though. They have work to do. They've been given instructions. Go wait for the Holy Spirit and be on mission. See, Jesus may not be visibly present. He may have left. But the plan moves on, and the new community has a task to do until he returns. The point of these verses, it's, it's really more of a command, the way that one commentator puts it. Do not look up and merely be idle, is what they're saying. Don't just wait for his return. Move out and share the message of God. Share the message about Jesus and what 
who is all about salvation to the ends of the earth. The same is true for us. The same is true. We're not to remain idle waiting for Jesus' return. We're not to remain idle waiting for life to begin, waiting for the pandemic to end. We're not to remain idle. We're to be about the work of the, of the kingdom, to be about that mission that the Holy Spirit has put us on. Let's join with the Holy Spirit and carry the message of Jesus to those around us, to the ends of the earth. As I close this morning, I want us just to remember where we've been at, what we've seen in this passage. Remember, those closest to Jesus, and I hope, I hope this was clear, those closest to Jesus, they expected him to restore the kingdom of Israel, right? They saw him as Messiah, the one through whom repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed to all nations. But also, they expected him to be the one that would be a king like David, who would restore Israel to its former glory, just as God had promised. In response to their expectations, what they clearly thought Jesus would do next, Jesus gently reminds them, he tells them, that it's not for them to know when the Father will complete that work of restoring the kingdom of Israel. But for now, they have work to do, they have a mission, and the Holy Spirit is coming. The promised Holy Spirit will come on them, and they will be witnesses to the world, and then he leaves them to do it, right? Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, he gave them a mission, and then he left. And we're waiting for his return. Now, as we'll see in the coming weeks, Jesus' resurrection and the coming of the Spirit, it assures us that God is at work and the plan of salvation is intact, right? It was God's plan all along that Jesus would, would do this. The Spirit's coming and indwelling, it, it guarantees the conclusion of the work that Jesus has already set out before them. The central goal of the Holy Spirit is to op- in operating in the church and God's community and operating in our lives today is that we be outward focused, that we be committed to mission, to sharing Jesus with those around us. As the book of Acts is going to show us each week, the message of Jesus will continue to move outward as we await the return of Jesus. And that work has continued on and will continue on until he returns. Today, the same message, the same mission rests with us. Let's be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Will you join us in that mission? Will you join us in reaching the campus with the message of Jesus? Let's pray.